0: Tuesday's congressional hearings, which featured testimony from Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig, Major League Baseball Players Association head Donald Fear, and Mitchell Report author and former Senator George Mitchell. Lots to gleam from these testimonies. We're going to break down everything that was said in segment three. In segment four, Sports Sense. Mark Steinberg, he runs IMG's golf division and is better known as the agent for golfers Tiger Woods and Annika Sorenstam. Arguably the greatest male and female golfers of all time. Definitely the wealthiest golfers of all time. Woods is the most marketable athlete on the planet today, earning close to $100 million annually from his deals with companies like Nike, Buick, EA Sports, and we'll even see Gatorade Tiger debut this March. We'll go inside two of the most successful athlete brands of all time with Mark Steinberg in segment four. A couple of other notes, visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, you know, the last time we had Tiger Woods' agent Mark Steinberg on this show was August of 2006, so it's been a while. And any time we can go behind the scenes with arguably the most lucrative athlete brand of all time. Bigger than even Michael Jordan, LeBron James... Maria Sharapova, Michael Schumacher, anyone you can think of, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and it's not very often we get a window into Tiger's world on the course, let alone the business side of it. And obviously with Gatorade, that is a huge addition to his business resume. And I just love hearing about Tiger Woods because he's a class act on the course, and he does fantastic financial things off the course.
0: Yeah, and this is a guy, too. He just started Tiger Woods Design. He's designing golf courses. A lot of things have happened since the last time that we talked with Mark Stein. So I'm looking forward to that conversation in segment four. These Major League Baseball congressional hearings... I'll tell you what, uh, I think it was a lot of grandstanding, and I don't think anything really got solved on Tuesday, but uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. And obviously, uh, if you're Miguel Tejada or you're part of the San Francisco Giants brain trust, uh, you were targeted this week. Let's just say I'm really looking forward to February 13th when those players are put on the stand. Yeah, I think Congress has definitely saved uh, their bullets for February 13th. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We've got headlines coming up next. sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit SportsBusinessRadio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education.
1: Back to Sports
0: Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline. Sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one. The Major League Baseball congressional hearings took place this week. We're going to break those hearings down in our next segment, so stay tuned for that. Our next headline, CBS's broadcast of the Jaguars-Patriots AFC Divisional Playoff game on Saturday night earned a 17.9 Nielsen rating. That's up 9.1% from a 16.4 rating for the Colts-Ravens AFC Divisional Playoff game in the early Saturday window on CBS last year. It's also the highest rating for a Saturday AFC divisional game since an 18.2 rating on CBS for the Steelers-Jets in 2005. Now on Fox, the Seahawks and Packers games on Saturday earned an 18.5 Nielsen rating. That's up 5.1% from Colts-Ravens last year. Nathan, here's what this comes down to. Tom Brady and the Patriots are chasing an undefeated season. Tom Brady, very recognizable name, lots of recognizable names on the Patriots, and then you've got Brett Favre and the Packers. I'm going to go on record and say right now that if the Packers and the Patriots meet in this year's Super Bowl, it will be the highest-rated Super Bowl in the history of the Super Bowls. If we remember last year, Colts-Bears, 93 million viewers That was the highest rated game, and I think Patriots-Packers has much more star power than last year's game, and... You're going to bring in the casual fan
1: who wants to see, can the Patriots go undefeated? That's why I'm going to say that the Packers don't even need to make the Super Bowl in order for it to be the highest-rated Super Bowl of all time. I think if the Patriots are in the game, it's going to be the highest Super Bowl rating of all time because I think every casual fan wants to see if they can pull it off. Now, the fans will stay tuned for the whole game, aside from just the commercials, if it is the Packers and the Patriots because I think people want to watch Brett Favre. They want to see the Packers and they want to see the Patriots. So regardless, I think if the Patriots are in the finals, it is the highest-rated Super Bowl of all time. I would agree
0: with you because if the Packers don't get there, you've got the New York Giants, the number 1 media market in the country. So Giants-Patriots would be a good draw, even though that was the season finale on... Uh, the NFL Network, and that got tremendous ratings. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be ironic if those same two teams, and don't forget the Giants were up 12 points in the third quarter of that game. Wouldn't it be ironic if those two same teams meet? But I will tell you this, I am looking so forward to Packers Giants on Sunday. There's nothing better to me than playoff football when it's snowing, when it's cold.
1: It might be 20 degrees below zero at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. That's playoff football. Well, I'll tell you, the Fox executives are holding their breath because I'll tell you what, if it's the San Diego Chargers oh, boy. and the Giants, or even the Packers for that matter, the ratings will be lower than last year, I guarantee it.
0: Well, I don't know about that. If Brett Favre gets into the game, even if the Patriots don't get in, a lot of people will watch. But the Chargers getting in under any scenario – LT is a big name, but they just don't have big enough names. There's no names story and there either. There really isn't. Um, I will be shocked, for the record. I will be very shocked. I think the Patriots are a 14.5-point favorite in this game. It's one of the biggest spreads in AFC Championship history. I will be shocked if the Patriots lose this game. But stranger things have happened. Our next headline, we're going to stick with the Super Bowl. Victoria's Secret. Pepsi and Under Armour leaked out details of their Super Bowl spots this week. Now, each company is going to pay about $2.7 million for a 30-second spot. That's the highest amount ever paid for a Super Bowl. Fox is loving that. Nathan,
1: give us some of the details for the Pepsi spot. Pepsi. I know you're a big Justin Timberlake fan. JT. JT. Through a Super Bowl spot that's going to feature Justin Timberlake, they're also going to advertise a new program in which consumers who buy Pepsi drinks, they can receive points and redeem them from music on Amazon.com. I think this is a great idea, but... I, don't, I still am not convinced that the top of the cap points are drawing consumers to websites to download music. I don't think it's effective just yet, but it'll be interesting to see JT. He's a good actor. I like him. He is a good actor, and he's a name, and I'm sure Pepsi, in addition to
0: paying that $2.7 million... They're paying JT a lot of money just to appear in the commercial uh, Victoria's secret they plan to air the brand's first ad in the Super Bowl since 1999 the 30 second spot is scheduled to air during the second half and will promote the retailers Valentine's Ooh. Day merchandise the ad will be posted on the company's website right after the game and the in-house ad is featured or the ad is going to feature model Adriana Lima and I'm a married man a happily married man but let me tell you what do a Google search for Adriana Lima. I don't think anyone will be disappointed to see this Victoria's Secret spot.
1: Well, I, uh, I'll tune in, but I'm not going to say anything. My wife listens to the show sometimes, so uh, you know I'm sure it'll be nice. Adriana Lima. Keep her in mind. Now, Under Armour is taking another shot at established
0: companies like Nike and Adidas with its ad campaign announcing its entry into the cross-training shoe market. Under Armour. They're doing a 60-second spot, so that's going to cost them $5.4 million. The spot may include 49ers tight end Vernon Davis, figure skater Kimmy Meisner, and NASCAR driver Carl Edwards. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind, and we talk about this all the time. These spots are expensive. Under Armour's entire marketing budget last year, $16 million. They're going to spend $5.4 million on this spot. This is a perfect example of a company that is literally spending most of their marketing budget. They're going for broke with this ad. Well, yeah,
1: and you know, we just talked about the big games this weekend, the Pats playing and the Packers playing, and I'm always surprised that companies maybe don't spread their money out a little bit. These are two games this Saturday that tons of people are going to tune into, and for the price of one Super Bowl ad, you could get one, two, a couple ads during this weekend's games. That's what I would do if I was a media executive. Well,
0: and I I will say this. I hope the ads aren't as bad as they were last year. you' yeah, Oh, God. If you're going to spend $2.7 million on a spot, you better spend at least half that to produce a quality ad. If you're not, you're making a big mistake. And we saw a lot of garbage last year.
1: Well, I'll I'll always tune in for the Budweiser ads alone. The Bud Light ads are
0: awesome. Our producer Bobby uh, liked the Kevin Federline ad uh, for Nationwide, I think it was. I thought that was the best Life ad that ran. Life comes fast. Yep, and, and we'll see if they have... Life's uh, coming faster at Britney right now than Kevin. Oh boy, I don't think they're going to get her to star in an ad this year, though. Our next headline, the NBA announced this week that the Walt Disney Company and four Chinese-based investment firms will invest an 11% stake worth about $250 million into the NBA's new league in China. Uh, that's according to sources. The four investors are the Bank of China, China Merchant Bank, legend holdings and a firm held by Hong Kong based business executive Lee Ka-Shing Disney Disney will own 5% of NBA China with 4 investors owning a collective 6% stake Nathan basically what this says is that these companies which are reputable companies especially Walt Disney they're taking NBA's
1: foray into china very seriously right? hey look if i have the money to invest in this i do we talk on the show all the time about china and asian markets in terms of the nba this is a fantastic investment i see nothing but growth in turn you know with that market and the nba over there there are some people out there that think in the next decade that the nba
0: will make more money in china than they will domestically I think they may be right. After being in China and seeing all the people that are there and knowing that there's six times more people in China than in the United States, they may be on to something. Certainly in TV ratings alone. So that $250 million we just talked about could be a pretty darn good investment. Our last headline of the week, the U.K. Office of Fair Trading has cleared Nike to acquire Umbro finding that the merger raises no competition concerns in any market. Now, while the companies have a high combined market share... Over 45% in replica kit sales, the uh, Office of Fair Trading found that Umbro's leading position is principally based on its jersey deal with the English men's national soccer team, while Nike sales derive from deals with professional soccer clubs. So this is a deal that's been pending for some time now, Nathan, and it looks like it's going to go through. Well, this is
1: just one step closer for Nike to uh, embrace this soccer market overseas, and we know that Adidas has a monopoly on it right now, Nike's not far behind. Well, yeah, at the last World
0: Cup... Adidas kicked Nike's rear ends and this is a way for Nike to kind of get back in the soccer game because after all, football is the world sport. And they've been in it a lot longer than Nike has. They have, but we'll see if this uh, helps them chip away at Adidas's lead at all. Coming up next, caught in the cross lights. We haven't done one of those in a while. The MLB congressional hearings. Jeez. Miguel Tejada, San Francisco Giants owner Peter McGowan, San Francisco GM Brian Sabian. We got all kinds of people who are going to be caught in the cross lights this week, and you'll hear that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Really confused about the business side of sports? This is Sports Business Radio. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. I'm really excited for Caught in the Crosslights. We haven't done one of these in a while. Our PR nightmare of the week and several people... Had some PR nightmares this week. Tuesday, the MLB congressional hearings. Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig, Major League Baseball Executive Director Donald Fear, and George Mitchell, the author of the Mitchell Report, went in front of Congress. And Nathan, I got to be honest with you. I was very underwhelmed by what took place. We didn't really learn anything new. We didn't learn anything that wasn't in the Mitchell Report. Um you know there were some people that were targeted and we'll talk about that in a minute and some people that better go out and find some lawyers and should be worried but you know there was a lot of backslapping and people praising major league baseball and bud League and donald fear for uh having a better policy in place but as far as i'm concerned i'm a taxpayer you're a taxpayer bobby's a taxpayer this was a waste of time. This was a lot of grandstanding. I don't think anything of any substance came out of these hearings. And my last thing I will say is that the people in Congress who were asking these questions, they were about uh, as out of place as I would be if you took me to a hospital and said, we're going to put you in front of a panel for brain surgery. I mean, they mispronounced names. They didn't know what kind of drugs they
1: were talking about. It was embarrassing. Before they start congratulating Bud Selig and Fear, they should have done this 10 years ago. I would have congratulated them 10 years ago if they jumped on this thing before it started. But now they're, running, they're backpedaling, and they're still getting congratulated. I agree with you. I think what everybody's looking for, like I said in segment one, is the February 13th hearings. That's when all of the names and the glory, will come out. But you're right. Nothing new was mentioned here. Nothing earth shattering that that any of us were that surprised about. Well, the one thing
0: I will say is this. Uh, Donald Fear brought up an interesting point about human growth hormone. And he talked specifically, he held up an ad from a Continental Airlines magazine that he'd read on the flight to D.C. And it said, choose life grow young with HGH, the reverse aging miracle. Now, fear argued that HGH isn't just being used by athletes, but is being promoted as a miracle drug for anyone who wants to use it. I agree with him. This is a pretty valid point. You know, HGH is a lot of people and these athletes have fallen on this. They said, I didn't use it as a performance enhancing drug. I used it to help me heal from an injury faster Pettit being one of them Pettit being one of them So, you know, it's interesting there are, there are There's a big group of people out there That would like to see HGH legalized There's other people out there That are trying to find a test for HGH There's other people out there that say We already have a test for HGH Then you have people like Donald Fear Arguing with Bud Selig over urine tests and blood tests WADA came out and ripped Major League Baseball this week Saying that their drug testing isn't nearly good enough, and they said something that I agree with. This drug testing should be done by an independent contractor. Major League Baseball is basically saying, we'll police ourselves. We'll do these drug tests internally. Well, Major League Baseball has shown us in the last 20 years They can't be trusted to police themselves. They've screwed this thing up so badly, we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place if maybe an independent contractor that didn't have a vested interest in
1: Major League Baseball was conducting these tests. That's where we need to get to. Well, as much as I hate... Agreeing with you every time. I agree with you. You said and have said this year there needs to be a third party and it should be a governing body over all sports. And it sounds like they're starting to move in that direction. At least the NFL, we just talked about last week, and the U.S. Olymp- Olympic Committee are doing that. Major League Baseball needs to get under that umbrella because that's the only way that this is going to be successful. Major League Baseball cannot govern itself. Now, if there are some people that should be
0: worried after these hearings, let me give you a few names. Miguel Tejada better find a good lawyer and fast. It looks like the Department of Justice is going to launch an investigation that Tejada lied to Congress three years ago that he never used performance-enhancing drugs. That was part of the Rafael Palmeiro investigation. That is, he said he never used performance-enhancing drugs, but in the Mitchell report, they claim that they did, and they claim they have evidence that he did. So he could be in line for a perjury trial. Then we look, the other people that were singled out were the brain trust of the San Francisco Giants, owner Peter McGowan, and General Manager Brian Sabian. I have said this for four years on this show. The Giants have turned a blind eye to what Barry Bonds and his trainer Greg Anderson were doing. In return, they had lots of people coming to the ballpark. They wanted to see Barry Bonds put up record-breaking numbers, and they turned a blind eye. They knew full well he was cheating, and now for the first time, Major League Baseball and Congress are saying, These people
1: should be punished. Well, and I have no sympathy for the players who are being named in these reports and the players who are being punished. But there's a number of other non-household names out there that were named in this report that have been named in investigations that are kind of sliding between the cracks. Nobody's talking about them. Congress is not, you know, convicting them of perjury. So you have to wonder about all those other, I don't want to say no names, but players who aren't the household names. The one thing we've learned in the last year... Marion Jones, Michael
0: Vick, uh, maybe Roger Clemens, looks like Miguel Tejada. The cover-up is much worse than the crime itself. If you screwed up, say you screwed up. Be an Andy Jason Pettit. Giambi. Be a Jason Giambi. Admit that you screwed up and do it up front. Don't try and cover it up because if you cover it up, not only is your league going to come after you, but now you get the federal authorities involved. And when you start messing with the
1: federal authorities and the IRS, forget about it. Well, I can't wait for February 13th. I think we're going to find out a lot about character and a lot about Roger Clements and all the other names. Yeah, this was spring
0: training. This week, compared to what we are—the main main season, the main event is coming up on February 13th. I was bummed they pushed it back. I was ready for it this week. Will Roger Clemens perjure himself? That's what everyone is going to be watching, because if Clemens sticks to his story and McNamee sticks to his story, someone's going to perjure themselves. Coming up next, we're going to catch up with Tiger Woods' agent, Annika Sorenstam's agent, Mark Steinberg. He leads IMG's golf division. We caught up with him in August of 2006. He's in charge of probably the greatest male and female golfers of all time, and they are raking it in. We'll talk to him next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Radio. My guest is Mark Steinberg. He leads IMG's golf division. He's the agent for pro golfers Tiger Woods and Annika Sorenstam. Mark, Happy New Year, and thanks for joining me.
2: Happy New Year, Brian. Glad to be back.
0: So Tiger Woods continues his assault on the record books. He's within five wins of tying Jack Nicklaus's all-time record of 18 Grand Slam titles. He made nearly 80 million dollars in prize money on the PGA Tour since he turned pro in 1996. He earns close to 100 million dollars a year from endorsements. He even got a 10 million dollar bonus for winning the inaugural FedEx Cup last year. Mark, the bar has been set so high for Tiger. If he doesn't win every time out, we're surprised. Talk to us about the makeup of Tiger Woods and how he's able to meet or surpass these expectations year after year.
2: I think, uh, you know, Tiger has, um, Tiger has an uncanny ability to stay in the present. So um, while he's, you know, certainly looking at, uh, at Augusta and the Masters in, in April, uh, when he tees it up next week for those four days at the Buick Invitational, which will be his, his first tournament of the year, Tiger will, um, Tiger will be solely focused on, uh, on winning the Buick Invitational, uh, and he'll put all of his effort into that. Uh, most players have a very hard time staying in the present. Uh, you know, they, they get off to a good start, and they birdie three of the first four holes, and they're thinking 59. Tiger's just figuring out how he can make birdie on that, uh, on that fifth hole. So I think it, it goes a long way to, um, to, uh, to kind of uh, the expectation that he sets for himself Uh, Staying in the present. And, um, you know, as long as he competes at the highest level, as long as he does, puts everything he can into every tournament that he plays, um, that's all he ever asks of himself.
0: You started working with Tiger two years into his pro career in 1998. Tell us the story, if you would, about how you and Tiger connected. How did you become his agent?
2: Um,. You know, mostly pretty fortunate right place at the right time. Uh, he was uh, looking for um, uh, an agent internally here at, at, at IMG. and um, <clears throat> you know there was a few of us that were uh, I guess semi logical uh, uh, people to 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 take over the account. and um, I really do think I was just uh, fortunate at the time and probably had some time uh, uh, to to uh, to to work on his account. And uh, so we just kind of did a three month trial period, of, uh, and um, you know we're ten or eleven years into the trial period, so it's it's worked out well.
0: And you obviously work with Annika Sorenstam as well. You run IMG's golf division. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of your other duties. Do you oversee a, a lot of people as part of that division?
2: Yeah, you know I'm fortunate that I, I represent two of the two of the icons of the game, and um, uh, they've they're they're wonderful clients. Uh, and they're uh, they're wonderful friends as well, and and I like to think that uh, that they've learned a lot from me because I know I've learned a lot from uh, from the two of them. And uh, um, I used to have uh, responsibility for representing a, a number of different uh, athletes, uh, golfers, basketball players uh, around the world. And when when uh, when the Tiger business hit and when Anika just exploded the way she did and, and uh, they gave me the opportunity to run the global golf division and IMG, I clearly had to cut back the, the day-to-day management of everybody except Tiger and Annika. So I'm, I'm responsible for, for overseeing all we do in golf, which is um, you a know, very sophisticated client business, uh, event business, uh, golf consulting business, a golf course management, golf course design, um Corporate outings and hospitality—it's it's, uh, a—it's a—it's a very robust business. Um, IMG has been the leader in the in the golf industry for fifty some years uh, since uh, uh, our former uh, owner and chairman Mark McCormick started it, and um, uh, it's a wonderful place.
0: Yeah, people forget Mark McCormick and Arnold Palmer. I mean, they started IMG with a handshake. Really, that was the first agent athlete deal that
2: I know of. Yeah, no, he was. I mean, you know, God rest his soul. Mark was. Mark was a uh, Mark. Was not, Mark wasn't just a pioneer; he was the pioneer right. in this industry. He he created what is sports represent, uh, representation today, and we all owe uh, an enormous uh, debt of gratitude to him uh, for that. And you know, it certainly started with that handshake agreement between Mr. Palmer and uh, and Mark. Uh, and 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 not only did that you know transform the the player agent side of the business but you you just look at the whole sports marketing industry and and you you know I don't think it's fair to say that that mark was solely responsible for that but I would say he had a a very large hand in the 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 incredible incredible development of uh, of that side of our business.
0: It's interesting to see where endorsements have gone. I mean, Arnold Palmer is still making a lot of money. Then you look at someone like Michael Jordan, whose Air Jordan shoe is still the most successful basketball shoe that Nike sells. And obviously, we've seen what Tiger has done for Nike's golf business. I want to talk a little bit about Tiger's endorsement deals. He's got deals with Nike, Buick, Gillette, Tag Heuer, EA Sports. He just signed a deal with Gatorade, we're going to see Gatorade Tiger coming out in March. When 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 can we expect to see uh, the rollout of ads for Gatorade Tiger?
2: Uh, you probably see some, uh, uh, you know, first or second quarter uh, this year. Uh, this is uh, the Gatorade deal was exciting for us. It was the first ever, you know, true uh, pure licensing deal that we did. Gatorade had, had never had an athlete on their uh, on their bottle and. Um, we went through some extensive negotiations with them. They're a fabulous company, um, and uh, we're just we're incredibly excited with what the future holds there. You'll see Tiger Gatorade coming out on shelves, uh, kind of end of February, beginning of March, and um, it's been uh, it's been an exciting run, really an exciting run. So, if I'm one of these companies that I just mentioned, I have a
0: partnership deal with Tiger. How many days a year typically will I have access to him to shoot commercials, promote the brand? You know, as you said, he's a partner in the product, so um, I imagine he's out there at least a few days a year doing interviews and, and taking pictures, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, you know, we, 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 we create partnerships with these companies. We don't like to think that they're contractual relationships, so while contractually there's a day or two uh, for Tiger to commit to, to to each company to produce advertising and Uh, Promotion and point of sale, point of purchase. You know, there's there's also the intangible benefits of you know Tiger uh, being able to 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 say hello and entertain you know customers or vendors, um, you know, inviting them to 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 Tiger's various uh, uh, foundation functions, whether it be the Target World Challenge or AT&T National up in D.C. uh, or a you know a charity concert that we have. So we like to think that. That uh, when it comes to when it comes to you know our, our partners around the world, we like to think that we're in a position where we can over deliver for them.
0: You know, I got to tell you, Tiger seems so genuine in his commercials. He's he's a really good actor, and the commercial I enjoyed last year the most was the Buick commercial where he's on the driving range and someone takes his bag and he tackles the guy who took his bag. I've heard from people in the industry, and I want you
2: to clarify. Clarify this
0: or clear it up. Was that scripted?
2: It was not scripted. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was one of the more uh, entertaining moments that uh, that I can recall uh, <laughs> with him. I mean, it was. It really was all spur of the moment, and uh, uh, needless to say, the um, the actor that was stealing the bag was as surprised as anybody.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he totally looked surprised. And, and then I, I was saying on our show, I bet you cringed when you see Tiger lunging out there. I mean, all you need him to do is tear a knee or something like that, and it's uh, it's curtains for his season on the on the golf course.
2: I've learned long ago not to try to control Tiger. Yeah, that's a good thing, he probably. He what he wants.
0: My guest is Mark Steinberg. He leads IMG's golf division. He's the agent for Tiger Woods and Annika Sorenstam. Uh, Mark, when I was researching for this interview, I came across a really funny story. In September 1987, Golf Digest introduced its first armchair architect contest, challenging readers to design a hole. First prize was a trip to Bermuda with real architects Pete Dye and Robert Trent Jones. There were 22,000 entrants into this contest. One of them was an 11 year old tiger woods you had to be 18 to enter the contest so his father earl submitted his entry he didn't even make it past the first round lo and behold now we've got tiger woods design people are paying him millions of dollars to design their golf course talk about tiger woods design for a moment if you would
2: well it's a little bit more sophisticated than when he was uh, sitting on his couch uh drawing (laughs) his first hole in a crayon but um he's uh He's, you know, we took uh, a number of years to, to, Tiger took a number of years to, to, to learn not just the business, but to learn what types of golf courses he liked. You know, we were, we had offers for him to get into the design business, you know, 10 years ago. And. Um, he always said, "I'm just not ready. I want to. I want to travel the world more. I want to see more golf courses. I want to understand bunkering. I want to understand contour. I really want to understand, you know, what it is. Not just, you know, that I like Pebble Beach because of this, uh, but I like it because of the intricacies. And so." Um, Lo and behold, a, a couple years ago, he had told me he was ready, and um, uh, I have uh, had been in discussions with uh, with a developer in Dubai, and um, uh, we finalized our, our first deal in uh, in Dubai, and followed it up with uh, with our first U.S. project at the Cliffs in Carolina, and uh, uh, the business is going well. It, it's not it's not a business where Tiger's going to have you know six seven eight courses under development in any one year at the outset uh, he wants to go slow he wants to make sure he enjoys the business and likes the business uh, but to date it's been uh, it's been an enjoyable process
0: well and it's something he can do when his golf days are over and uh you know it's kind of leaving a legacy a little bit you design a course and uh you know people can see it for the next 50 75 years that's got to be kind of cool
2: absolutely absolutely it's, that's, that's one of the exciting aspects of uh, of the design business
0: I want to talk about something you alluded to earlier. Tiger hosts two tournaments every year. The AT&T National, that's in July in D.C., then the Target World Challenge in December. By the way, Tiger donates his check from the Target World Challenge to charity. That was about $1.3 million this past December. It's got to be tough to play host and then play in the tournament. He always does well. Most of the time he wins these tournaments. But how much do you and your team at IMG help him with his hosting role at these events?
2: Yeah, you know, and, and there's a third, the Deutsche Bank Championship in Boston, which is one of the one of the three, uh, one of the four playoff events on tour, where his foundation is the is the charitable recipient. Um, I, I think between between uh, between IMG and and really even more the Tiger Woods Foundation, uh, we play a, 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 a quite an active role. I've been a board member on uh, at uh, on his foundation board for for a number of years, and we really do take an active role. Tiger takes an active role. The board, the board members take an active role. Uh, Greg McLaughlin, who's the president of the foundation, takes a, a, a very active role in, in leading uh, these events, and uh, you know I think it's I think it's an honor. You talked about you know you talk about um, you know, golf courses and, and the leave behind and the legacy uh, for 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 fans and enthusiasts. I think it's the same with these with these three tournaments with with Target and Deutsche Bank and AT&T. Um, these could be legacy events. You look how long. Uh, Mr. Palmer has been involved with Bay Hill and how long uh, Jack Nicklaus has been involved with Memorial. Um, I think you you, you might see the same thing with Tiger in these three events for, for many, many years to come.
0: So we have these three events. Obviously, you've got the four Grand Slam events. You know, every tournament out there is crossing their fingers that Tiger Woods decides to play in their event. Is there a criteria that Tiger uses to decide, here's an event I'm going to play in and here's an event I'm not going to play in?
2: strictly schedule you know everybody you hear a lot of talk that boy that golf that golf course fits tiger's eye that one doesn't fit tiger's eye you know everybody said yeah he can never win at southern hills look what he did at the u.s open there five or six years ago Sure enough, he goes out at Southern Hills at the PGA Championship and wins. There, there's really no such. It, it does does a course fit an eye better than another? I'm sure. I'm not a good enough golf course to tell you. But, yeah, they tell me that's the case. But that's not a reason to play or not to play. For Tiger, it's strictly scheduling. And, you know, what I had said to you uh, <clears throat> earlier in the interview, uh, that, you know, Tiger gives 100% every time he goes out uh, and, and, and focuses on the present. That's why he has to play a restricted schedule because he, he will not show up unless he is absolutely 100% ready to play, and he's got some demands on him that I think others understand they don't have on themselves. It's a it's a little bit more of a strain when he shows up um, with the press, the media, um, the, all the fan support, uh, the corporate uh, the corporate side of it. So he's learned over the years to keep a, a, a very balanced schedule. He knows how many he can play in a row. He knows, you know, that there's at least two, three, four times a year when he needs extended blocks of time to to, to take off. So um, I think I think the, the the most important factor when he's looking at his schedule is how it fits in.
0: Yeah, I mean he's a father now too. He's married. His life is different than it was when he started. So I would imagine that's got to play a factor in. You know, deciding do I play or do I not play?
2: absolutely, yeah, oh, Elon and Sam have been uh, Sam's been just such a a blessing to them, and uh Elon and Sam have been great support mechanism for him and uh, I, it's it's a little bit harder for him to to, to hop on the plane and, and leave Orlando now.
0: So obviously, Tiger's amazingly diverse golfer, pitch person extraordinaire, golf course designer. He's philanthropic. With all of that being said, is there anything out there right now that the two of you have your eye on that you say, you know, I'd like to do that? And we just haven't gotten around to doing that yet. Absolutely. And that's as much as you're going to tell me, isn't it?
2: I'll let you know next time we talk. (laughs) All right. Hopefully it won't
0: be too long. Uh, We've got just a few minutes left. Let me talk to you about Annika Sorenstam. She's also very diverse. You've really helped her parlay her success onto the course into businesses off the course. I see she's got Annika Academies that are opening up. She's 36 years old. Uh, She had some back trouble last year. What's her future hold?
2: You know she um, she she's given uh, the commitment to do everything she can to get back to the dominant player in the world in 2008, and from there uh, we'll see what the future holds. Um, Annika's uh, uh, she's an incredible talent. She's an incredible businesswoman, um, very very diverse. I think back to I think I started working with Annika in 1993, uh, and I think back to uh, a shy girl from from Sweden who. Um, uh, you know, really was was not interested in the corporate world. Was not interested in the sponsorship world. She just really wanted to play golf, and did that for a number of years. And and uh, and developed, really developed over time into this into this iconic athlete and businesswoman. And she has her hands in a number of different things. Uh, and I'm just I'm I'm proud as hell of her for for all that she's accomplished and all that she stands for. You
0: mentioned that Tiger and Annika correspond pretty regularly. Do you think we'll ever see them collaborate on anything, an event of any kind, or commercials, anything like that?
2: I don't know. It's a good question. Um, they have developed uh, a very good friendship. Uh, they have tremendous amount of respect for one another, and um, you know they've they've played together. We we we, we created a, an event uh, in California that was went on for seven years called the Battle at the Bridges. It was a primetime golf event. And, on and Tiger paired together uh, one year. Um, so, uh, I, you know, you never know what the future holds. They're two, uh, two iconic athletes that, that certainly catch the public's eye.
0: Mark, last question before I let you go. I see on January 21st a statue of Tiger's late father, Earl, will be unveiled at the Tiger Woods Learning Center in Anaheim, California. Tiger's also going to announce the launch of a nationwide youth program. You mentioned earlier you sit on the board of directors of the Tiger Woods Foundation. I would imagine that's going to be an emotional day for Tiger and his family. I know how much his father has meant to him.
2: Yeah. Um, it, Earl Earl has meant a great deal to, to to many of us. So it will be an emotional day, but I, I think it will also be a, a very inspirational day. And we're all looking forward to, to the 21st and, um, you know, what Tiger has done. With his foundation, you know, Tiger is, is known for all the wins around the world and chasing Jack Nichols's uh, 18 majors and all the commercials that he's shot and the reported income that he earns each year. Uh, but if, if people really understood what he has done with his foundation and the amount of good he's done, the amount of money that he's raised, the amount of awareness that he's raised, what he's done for children, um, I think. Uh, I, I think when it's all said and done, that is something that he will be as proud of as anything else.
0: He's definitely to be applauded, as I say all the time on our show. It's very underreported what he does in the community. Mark, I appreciate you making time. Guests appearing during our sports end segment. We treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Mortons nearest you, go online to Morton's.com. Mark, thanks so much for making time for us. Best of luck this year and hope to catch up with you again soon. Thanks, Brian. All the best. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio, and the NBA released its jersey sale information this week, and this is always an interesting list to watch. Last year, Kobe Bryant switched from number 8, to number twenty-four, so he topped the list. And Allen Iverson was traded from the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers to the Denver Nuggets. He was second on the list. Most of the time, any time a player gets a new number or is traded to a new team, they're going to be high on this list. This year is no different. Number one on this year's list so far. Kevin Garnett of the Boston Celtics. He's got the new number five jersey. He used to be number 21 with the Timberwolves. He wasn't even in the top 15 last year, Nathan. Who else is on this
1: list? Well, coming in at number two is Kobe Bryant, and coming in at number three are Allen Iverson. That's, there's no surprise with those two there. LeBron James at four. Your boy, Steve Nash, yeah. at five. Dwayne Wade at six. Gilbert Arenas at seven. Dirk Nowitzki at eight. Stephon Marbury. Somebody's buying Knicks jerseys? That's surprising. That's embarrassing. And At 9, and Carmelo Anthony at number 10. Now, Kevin Durant, the Northwest guy, coming in at 11, the rookie, and the only rookie we see in the top 15.
0: Yeah, and a guy, I mean, here we are in Portland, Oregon. I'm a little surprised that the NBA's reigning rookie of the year, and a guy who's having a great season, Brandon Roy. How come he's not on this list? And another guy who's not on this list, Yao Ming. Yao Ming. There's a zillion people in China no one's buying Yao Ming stuff. And, and this is what I said when I was there in September. I couldn't find a Yao Ming jersey. Yes, Everybody I saw. in China own one already. Well, I see people walking down the street, but where did they buy them? Because I walk into all these different stores. It was my
1: mission to find a place that sold a Yao Ming jersey. I couldn't find one. If you could, would it fit you? Probably not. No. But no, I agree with you. We just talked earlier in the show about China being the new mecca for NBA, and you can't buy their their top guy's jersey?
0: I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But, hey, all the players on this list, no one is a real shock except for maybe Stefan Marbury. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Mark Steinberg from IMG Golf, terrific to catch up with him. Just uh, an amazing guy. He does great work with Tiger Woods and Annika Sorenstamp. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's the Steakhouse. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon protrade.com and evergreen media training a podcast reminder you can catch us on demand anytime you want just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page i've got to send out a very special greeting to my daughter Sophia. she's turning three this weekend happy birthday baby girl i'm brian Berger. have a great week and we'll talk to you next weekend on sports business radio